Today's word comes from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from her, their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did it as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the, the word of God. All right, good to see everybody. I'm always like skeptical when I see clear podiums. They kind of scare me. Uh, but um, people put so much design into these things, but they never add cup holders for some reason. I don't know. So I don't know where to put this thing. Mm. All right. Uh, good to see you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, usually I take care of the children. And um, yeah, uh, we sent Susung back there. Uh, I think he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, people keep asking me, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. It's like I, I usually am locked in a room with a bunch of kids, and being here with adults should be pretty easy. Uh, so I'm more nervous for Susung. So if you want to lift up a prayer, uh, pray for him. I think. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, um, yeah. so we're going to do a sermon on Advent. So uh, they invited me up here to uh, speak to you about this. And I love the holiday season. I love the Christmas season. Um, and it's easy to uh, forget about what we're celebrating or just you know, kind of fall into the trap of consumerism and all, and all those things. Uh, but um, we get to talk about the scripture. We get to talk about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and baby Jesus. And uh, I love this stuff. So um, why don't we pray one more time and uh, we'll go ahead and get into the word. Okay, we'll pray one more time. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much uh, that you teach us, that you guide us, that you walk with us, um, that you um, save us. Um, Lord, we pray that uh, you'd be with us uh, this afternoon as we look into your word. Uh, we pray that you'd be uh, with Susung as he tirelessly tries to deal with children. And uh, Lord, we pray that your word would go forth and that you'd be glorified. Uh, and Lord, that uh, this whole church would be fed uh, from your word. Uh, we ask it in your name. Amen. Okay, so let me start with this question. Um, when I uh, talk with children, I always ask them questions and they raise their hands and then I get to call on them and give them answers. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but just think about this. Right, how many of you guys like doing jigsaw puzzles? Jigsaw, are you guys jigsaw puzzlers? You, you can raise your hand for this. You, jigsaw puzzlers? 
Okay, uh, when we were at the summer retreat, I noticed as I was walking through the hallways that there was that big jigsaw puzzle with like, you know, like a million pieces. And, and I guess apparently some of you guys put that together. Yeah? Okay, and that was quite impressive. Okay, whenever you see a completed jigsaw puzzle with like tons and tons of pieces, it's like, wow. Right, someone must have been incredibly bored. There must have been nothing to do. Right? Um, I, I myself am not like a big fan of jigsaw puzzles. If you um, lock me in a room, don't give me food and water, and you put a jigsaw puzzle in front of me, then maybe I'll do it. All right? uh, maybe I'll think about doing it. But in general, I'm not one to go and look for a jigsaw puzzle, buy a jigsaw puzzle, take it home, invite friends over, and say, let's do this jigsaw puzzle. Because okay? uh, I don't know. It's, it's come. It's not that exciting for me, but um, I have noticed for myself when I do do a jigsaw puzzle, um, there are like four or five phases that I go through while I'm doing this puzzle, okay? Uh, when I start it, right, there's generally some excitement, some joy, right? You open the box, you look at the picture, you take it out, you spread it on the table, flip everything over, and, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, this is going to happen, right? This is really going to happen. So then you, like, do the easy stuff first. You separate all the colors together. You know, oh, blue means sky. So we put all the blue pieces over here, and, like, you know, all these brick pieces we'll put here, green pieces or grass. So we can, you know, and it starts out pretty easy, and then you get lucky because, you know, some pieces start pouring together, and you can do the edge ones real easy, right, because those are all straight. Great. So you put those together. Uh, but then as that excitement and joy kind of whittles down, um, I kind of go into despair, right? Because you start like matching stuff and they never quite match. And like sometimes you have those pieces that are like 95% match. Like they kind of go together, but you're never sure, right? And then it turns out that they didn't match and you're like, ah, right? So there's, and then you go into like this struggle phase. You're just struggling. You're just like, okay, I'll give up on the blue. I'll go to the green. And then and you just kind of, uh, right? And then eventually, like I usually go into denial. Like there's got to be pieces missing. There's pieces missing. Well, let's just, you know, and then you go into uh, surrender. Let's just give up. Like but there are pieces missing anyways. So let's just forget about this. Let's go on to the other puzzle. Okay? And those are the phases that I usually go through when I, when I work on a puzzle. And they don't come in any certain order. You know, sometimes you're in the denial phase, but then something will click together and you're in joy land all of a sudden. Like, bam! Oh, yeah! Right? And you celebrate with your friends because uh, something went together. Right? And uh, when I look at this story today, right, and the story that we'll look at today, um, like every good story, it's kind of like a puzzle. Right? Every story has a bunch of different pieces. And as you kind of go through the story, these different pieces start to come together, right? And the more pieces come together, right, the more joy there is. But then at the same time, there's a lot of struggle. And, uh, but as you put more of these pieces together, you get to see a clearer picture of what this entire thing is trying to present, okay? And that's the story we're going to get today, right? And uh, this happens with us as the readers, right? But it also happens to the characters in the story, so we'll see with Joseph that he's going to open up this big puzzle box and it's going to be this complete mess and he's going to go through all these different phases and uh, we'll walk with him through that as we kind of see, like, what is this bigger picture that God is trying to show us through this story that we're going to look at today? Okay, so uh, let me uh, start reading from verse 18. All right, we'll look at the passage again, all right, and, uh, um, and we'll see this. All right, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Uh, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, uh, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so when we look at verse 18, all right, uh, starts out good, 
right? Joy, excitement, Joseph going to be betrothed. He's uh, engaged to be married. Everything's good. Like life is moving along and, uh, you know, happy times, right? But then there's some like weird pieces here. Like what is this piece? It doesn't seem to fit anywhere, right? Uh, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, uh, you know, that's kind of another way to say uh, Joseph was probably thinking, I don't know what's going on here, but Mary probably cheated on me, right? She probably cheated on me, probably, right? That's probably what happened, right? And uh, that's okay, all right? Joseph is cool, all right? Cool as a cucumber, verse 19, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay? So um, this is what he does. Which is, which is really like, you know, that's like showing very high character, right? I don't know. It's like when, if that was me in that situation, I don't know what I'd do, right? But I don't know if I would be a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, all right? And I wouldn't know if I would resolve to divorce her quietly, all right? I'd be asking a lot of questions and making a lot of phone calls, right? Trying to figure out what happened and shaking some stuff down, all right? That, that would, that, that's an odd, odd situation. All right, so uh, verse 20. Okay, so uh, let me give you like what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to go over this Joseph's puzzle. It's kind of the background to the story. And then we're going to get into Je- Jesus's name and then this Emmanuel that we see. And that's going to be kind of like where we're going to go through the sermon. Okay, just so you have an idea. So this background portion is going to go pretty quick. I know a lot of sermons, like it's like point one and then point two and then point three and then we pray, right? But mine's going to be kind of like point one, Point two, and then three, and then we're going to finish, okay? Just so you have an idea, all right, if you want to know when to fall asleep. All right, so anyways, here's Joseph, um, and uh, he's, again, he's cool. He's, you know, keeping it together, right? Uh, verse 20, but as he considered these things, all right, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Okay, so behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, right? And this strikes me. This strikes me as kind of like a weird situation because uh, the last time I checked, dreams are not the most reliable mediums of conversation or communication, right? Like if you're trying to make a, a point or communicate something to someone, like you don't dream to someone, right? Like you talk to them, right? There's like, um, you know, phone calls, right? Phone calls are good, but nowadays, you know, no one picks up the phone, right? There's like text messages, which... You know, you send a text and you're lucky if someone ever looks at it, right? There are emails, right, that'll sit in a box for days and days and days, right? And then slightly less reliable than all these forms of communication are dreams, okay? No one pays attention to dreams, right? When's the last time you woke up from a dream and you said, this is a reliable form of communication from God? I trust this, okay? Most of the time, you don't, okay? Sometimes it does happen. Okay, sometimes it does happen, okay, but most of the time, uh, you think about what you ate last night, or like what the TV show you saw was last night, and then you're like, okay, that's what that was about, okay, but most of the time, um, dreams are not reliable, but here's this angel speaking to Joseph in this most critical moment of history, right, speaking to Joseph in a dream, right, which is odd, because if you look at the other scriptures, when uh, Mary gets her visitor, right? Mary doesn't get visited in some dream, right? Mary gets to talk with this angel, have a conversation, ask questions, flesh out what's going on, right? Mary got it easy, right? Joseph, he just gets a dream, right? And he has to wake up 
and then figure out, am I going to trust this? Is this reliable? Am I going to go with this? Or what's going to happen? Okay? So this is weird. All right, verse 20, the second half of it. All right, but as he considered these things, all right, let me read it again. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, this is what the angel says, uh, quote, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. All right, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Okay, which is an interesting message again, all right, but what does that even mean? All right, because the last time I checked, before Joseph and up till now, that stuff doesn't happen, okay? So um, let's try this, okay? All the ladies in the room, all right? Um, you are all now pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What's your next move? What do you do? Who do you talk to? <laughs> Nobody, right? What do you do next? Are you, like, you young, you high school, are you going to tell your parents, I'm pregnant, conceived by the Holy Spirit, Right? Where do you go with this? Like married people, are you going to tell your husband, I'm pregnant, Holy Spirit, right? You get this? So it's, it's a very odd situation. Okay, so when Joseph has this in a dream, and he's supposed to take this as reliable, I, I don't know where I would go with this, right? And my name is Joseph. I still don't know where I'd go with this. Okay, it, it's, it's a very odd situation. Okay, so this is what Joseph has to go on. These are his puzzle pieces. This is what he's bringing together, right? He's probably going through all the phases. He's going through despair. He's going through denial, right? He's going through this struggle, right? And he's trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Okay, what in the world is going on? Okay, so um, uh, let me keep reading. All right, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Right? For he will save his people from their sins. Right? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, so we're on point number two. All right? Um, names are important. Right? Names are really important. Uh, names are uh, much more than any old word. Okay, I know some of you guys have recently had children. Uh, my brother-in-law's is pregnant with, or not my brother-in-law, but my brother-in-law's wife is pregnant with his second, right? And they're going over and over in their heads, like, what should we name this girl? What should we name? Do we like this name and this name and this name? Okay, and, and it's, it's, it's a struggle, right? Um, let's do an exercise right now. I'll give you 15 seconds. You have to choose a new name right now. Turn to the person next to you. What's your new name? What's your new name? What's your name? You got to think about it. What's your new name? Okay, and for some of you, all right, for some of you, you guys have always wished you were like somebody else. You always wish, I wish I was a Jenny, or I wish I was a Brad, or I wish I was like something, something else, okay? And, but some of you like are probably like, I don't know, I don't know, I can't, can't think of it right on the spot. I can't think of what I'd want my name to be right here, right now, right? And the reason it's hard is because when you think of a name, right, that name connects you to an identity, Right? So uh, with all the names that came out in this room, did anyone choose Susang? <laughs> no! Right? And there's a reason for that. 
I'm not going to say why. We just can't measure up to his wonderful standard, right? I don't know. Okay, we'll just go with that for the recording's sake. <laughs> for my job's sake. All right, but, but we don't choose some names because there's, you know, in our minds, maybe we have some baggage with it. Or we choose some names because, you know, there's a certain person or there's something about it. Right? And, and uh, a name is, is not just some casual word that we throw around. All right, so uh, that's a very surface level, okay? A person's individual identity and individuality. Okay, but there's actually more to it than that. Right? If there was a fake news report, like the Mercury News reports that Pastor Susan kicks his neighbor's dog, right? then what's going to happen? Right? All these people are going to like, oh, man, did you hear about Revive Church? They have a pastor named Susung, and he kicked his neighbor's dog? It's like, how could that possibly be? Right? That, that guy must be terrible. Like, I'm not going to go to their church. We should, like, kick them out of, uh, you know, this city. Right? And, and it wouldn't be just a name, but it would be a lifetime of identity that's being attacked. Right? When your name is printed in something like that. Okay, so when we look at names, names are incredibly important, right? And especially uh, in the Bible, where oftentimes a name is given, and there's a reason for that name. Okay, so here we see here again, right? You shall call his name Jesus, right? And this is, here's what his name means, right? This is why we call him Jesus. And as we step into this holiday season, as we see baby Jesus, as we see the pictures, as we, um, you know, pass by the nativity scenes, as we go through this, you know, this is what Jesus is about, right? You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, right? So we could almost say the definition of the word Jesus is that he will save his people from their sins, right? Uh, when, we, uh, when we name our kids, right, we only dream that their name will, like whatever we want them to be will happen. You know, some of you guys in here named your kids Caleb. And you dream like, ah, oh, his name means Caleb. He will sleep at night, right? That would be like, oh, yeah, if he just did that, that would be amazing, right? Or we name our kids like uh, uh, Olivia. She will go to college and become a doctor, right? As, as parents, you'd be like, oh, that would be the dream, okay? But here's Jesus. He will save his people from their sins, Okay, that's a very high aspiration for someone and for someone's name. Right? Uh, but uh, what we see in this is a couple things. Right? When we see Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. Right? The first thing we see is Jesus makes his primary mission crystal clear. Okay? When we're looking at Jesus, there's no doubt about what he's here for. Okay? There's no doubt. Jesus' primary mission was to save us from our sins. Right, so when we know that about Jesus, okay, and maybe that's obvious for many of us in this room, okay, but we still have to ask the question, right, what does that mean for us? Okay, if Jesus' primary mission, right, he does a lot of different things, right, but his primary mission is to save us from our sins, right, what does that mean for us? Okay, what that means for us what that means for you, what that means for me, is that it frees us to say, I am a sinner. And that frees us to say that I am a sinner. I make mistakes. I need help. I'm not okay. 
That's the freedom we have when Jesus' primary mission is to save us from our sins, then we can reveal our sins to him. We can reveal our sins to each other, knowing that none of us is perfect. Um, I don't know. Some of you guys know some stuff about me. Some of you guys don't. Okay. In my uh, previous life, I worked as an engineer, mechanical, um, and I worked in a bunch of different companies. But one particular company I remember, um, part of their culture was um, if you make a mistake, right, and, you know, engineers, they make mistakes sometimes, right? It's usually the salespeople. It's usually the managers, right? But sometimes engineers, okay? But if you make a mistake, right, then, then the battle's on, okay? That's the real battle. Okay, in, in that particular company I was in, because then you got to put up your front line and you got to figure out like who knows about it. And then you got to figure out how to correct it before everyone figures out that you made a mistake, right? And then when you go into the meeting, you got to like blame someone else and you got to make sure that the fault finds out, falls on someone else, right? Every time I've been in so many meetings in that company, you always got to make sure that whoever made the mistake, you got you to like get them, right? They're it's like a witch hunt to find the person that made the mistake. So it can never be you, and it's always got to be someone else. And then, um, you know, you got to hide it and cover it up as much as possible, make deals, you know, secret deals with people. And, uh, you know, it's like, I made a mistake this time, but if you cover me, like, we can, you know, work, out, work this out together, right? And this crazy stuff happens, right? And this, this is like, you know, obviously, it's a terrible company culture. Right? And, uh, you know, I express that to different people in the company. It's like, why do we do this? Why, why can't we go into a meeting and, like, have everyone in the room have, like, the confidence to say, I screwed this up, like, but how are we going to fix it? Because right? that's way more productive, right, in general? <laughs> that's way more productive in general. Okay, but this company never worked like that. Right? And that's one of the things I hated about this company. Right? But, but... Here it is, okay, if the company had a proper culture, right, I do this with the kids a lot of times with the children's ministry, I say, which is better, company A or company B, right? And it's obvious, right? The company that covers everything up and you have to hide everything and, you know, for the kids, you're running from your parents and you're, you know, hiding the broken thing under your bed or, you know, whatever you did wrong, you're, you know, the homework that you didn't finish, you're just trying to, like, tuck under here so no, your parents don't see it? Or is it better if you can tell your parents, like, oh, I did something bad, and, uh, you know, can, what can we do about it, right? Which one's better? You know, all the kids know that, you know, when, when things are transparent, things are better. That's the better worldview. That's the better culture that we want to live in, okay? But we always default in our lives, in our brains, in our way that we act to the company A, Okay, the culture A. It's a weird thing, right? It's a weird thing, okay? But um, we have to know, we have to know as we go into this December, as we go towards Christmas, right, that Jesus is here to save us from our sins, right? It's okay if we're not okay, right? It's okay if we need help. It's okay if we make mistakes. It's okay if we're sinners, because right? we can come to Jesus. Right? We can come to Jesus. Um, for Joseph, right, in our story that we're looking at, right, that was the last piece of the puzzle before he had to make his decision. Right? He had to make his next decision. He wakes up from that. Right? He's got to figure out what to do next. Right? And, and as we see, Jesus, Joseph woke up from his dream, verse 24. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so that's Joseph's path. He's still got a lot of puzzle pieces ahead of him. He doesn't see the big picture yet. He doesn't know that Jesus is going to die on a cross. He doesn't know any of those kinds of things, right? But he's walking in faith, right? He's trusting that something good is going to happen. All right, lucky for us, that's not our last puzzle piece, right? We get a little bit more, right? We get a little bit more. All right, Matthew uh, gives us a bigger piece, okay? So, um, if you look at the passage, um, that's where the quotation mark ends, okay? The angel says to him something, and the quotation marks end there, okay? And then the passage continues, all right? So all this stuff that happens, verse 22 and on, all right? Joseph is not privy to this information, okay? So when we see it, all right, this is, this is something that Matthew has for us. Right, Matthew wants us to understand about Jesus. All right, so uh, let's go there. Okay, so uh, point three, Emmanuel. All right, we're moving along quickly. This is good. All right, uh, all right. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophets. Okay, verse 23. Uh, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, so again, this is um, uh, verse 22. Matthew's telling us all this stuff that just happened to Joseph, like all these puzzle pieces he currently has, right? This is to fulfill what prophets had spoken in the past, right? And here's this quote from Isaiah, right? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, okay? Which means God with us. So Emmanuel, put that in your minds, right? Emmanuel, definition, God with us. Okay, so um, if we know that Emmanuel right, means God with us, what's the natural conclusion that we should arrive at? What, what are we supposed to do knowing that information? Okay, the natural conclusion is that we should be with Jesus as well. Okay, Jesus is, comes to be with us. That means as people who are failures, who are weak, who make mistakes, who sin, who need help, right, we should be with Jesus. Okay, we should be with Jesus. Right, and uh, as I was thinking about this, I'll help us along. And uh, I thought of like two different levels at what, about what it means for Jesus to be with us. Okay, two different levels of what it means for Jesus to be with us. Okay, level number one. Right, uh, we'll just call it uh, generally he lives among us. Okay, generally Jesus lives among us. Okay, and what I mean by this is uh, whether you are a Christian or not, Right, the fact that Jesus came into this world, I right, changed the entire world before us. Okay, so whether you're a Christian or not, you benefit significantly from Jesus coming into this world. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, right, you have benefited significantly from Jesus coming into this world. Right, uh, let me give it to you uh, in this way. All right, uh, there's some key buzzwords that float around in our current culture and generation, all right? Uh, some of them are freedom, equality, social ju justice, education, science, okay? All these words are so important, and we throw them around all over the place, right? Freedom, everyone needs equality, everyone needs education, everyone needs social justice. Okay, so here's our, here's our quiz question of the day. Under which of these worldviews did these buzzwords have the greatest chance of flourishing? Okay, under which of these worldviews or religion did 
freedom, equality, social justice, education, science, so much more than that. Under which of these systems did they have the greatest chance of flourishing? Okay, and uh, here are some of the top world religions as well as uh, one of our favorites, culture's favorites, all right? Did they have the greatest chance of flourishing and growing under Islam? Okay, did equality, did rights, did they have the greatest chance of flourishing under Islam? Right. Or, or maybe under Hinduism? Hinduism with their strict caste system? Maybe, I don't know. Buddhism? All right, where uh, the position you are in life is due to your karma and reincarnation? Does equality, social justice, do they have the greatest chance of flourishing under that system? All right, what about our current world's favorite, atheism? Right, is equality going to grow? Is social justice going to grow in atheism? Where the foundation is uh, nature by tooth and claw, survival of the fittest? Is that where it's going to grow? Right, or is it going to grow in Christianity? Right, where we're told to love one another, love your enemies. Right, which, which one? Which one of these worldviews? Right? So, uh, because Jesus enters the world, all right, in that place and time in history, right, the rest of the world, the whole history of the world changes course. Right? Universities, hospitals, relief, equality, freedom from the slave trade. Right? That isn't born out of all these other worldviews or religions. Right? All these things are born out of Christianity. Okay, so if there are people in Hong Kong that are loving, not to make this political, all right, but just, you know, they want their freedom. They want their rights, okay? If there wasn't a Western culture born on a Judeo-Christian value, guess what atheistic China is going to do to Hong Kong? Put them right in their place, okay? Because that's natural for that system, okay? But it's just the fact that there's eyes all over the world watching them trade, whatever, okay? Um, you know, where does it come from? Okay, so um, in general, Jesus coming to the world benefits the whole world. Okay, if you want to think about, you know, education, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, you look at all those universities, go on Wikipedia, see who started them, see where they came from, right? And, uh, you know, I know uh, we focus so much on STEM and like, you know, science, technology, education, and math, but then like arts gets excluded, Right? And they're like, oh, where's the arts? So we're going to make it steam, okay? So the arts can be included. But even the arts, when we look through history, right, who was the people that uh, put in their money for all this arts to flourish, all the paintings, all the you know, great monuments, all these things that just like blew up to another level? It was all because of the church. The church is the one that funded all these things. Right? And, and you know, I'm not to, that's not to say there wouldn't be art, but you know, there was an explosion because of the church. And the church is there because of Jesus. Okay, so the whole world is benefiting. Right? The fact that we can say we want freedom, we want rights, we want you know, people to be free is all because of Jesus. Right? So everyone benefits from Jesus, right? just in general from Jesus being among us. Okay, um, that's level one. Level two, like level one is not even the best part. Level one is just like, okay, all right. But level two, level two, right? When we say God with us, 
right? What God really wants us to understand is that when God is with us, he wants us to be family. He wants us to be family, right? Um, Romans chapter eight, uh, it says, uh, for we did not receive the spirit of slavery, right? Uh, talking about uh, slavery to sin and death. Right? We did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, uh, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, so the spirit himself, the same spirit that caused Mary to conceive bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, when we fall into this family of Christ, right, when we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, he's been raised from the dead, when we become Christians, right, when we receive forgiveness of our sins, right, this is, this is the magic of this, these puzzle pieces, okay? If we just had the puzzle piece of God forgives our sins, Jesus forgives our sins, he's here to save us, Right, if we just had that puzzle piece, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Right, but we get this other piece that shows us why that first piece is there. Okay, that piece isn't there just to forgive us. And be like, okay, cool. Right, I'm forgiven. Now what? Right, but that piece is there so that we could be brought into God's family. Okay, this is the Emmanuel. Right, this is the Emmanuel. Okay, so Jesus, Emmanuel. Jesus saves us from our sins so that we can have Emmanuel. Not just this general niceness, okay, but so that we can be brought into the family of Christ, calling Jesus our brother, calling God our father. All right, so uh, again, when we think Emmanuel, God with us, right, the natural conclusion should be that in Jesus, we are accepted. Right? In Jesus, you are not alone. Right? In Jesus, you are family. Okay? In Jesus, you're accepted. In Jesus, you are not alone. Okay? I know that um, loneliness is a big thing in our culture. Uh, even though you know, we're connected by a million different devices and a million different people all over the world, right? loneliness is this huge uprising ep epidemic. Okay? But in Christ, through Christ, Emmanuel, you're not alone. Okay? For you college guys that are coming back, I know it's a scary place and a lot of weirdness, okay? but you're not alone there. Okay? Christ is with you. Right? You're part of this greater family, this wonderful family. All right, so when we see this, let me start wrapping things up. Uh, Jesus forgiving our sins is a wonderful piece of the puzzle, isn't it? Right? By itself, again, it stands as this wonderful picture of who God is. If, if we had this puzzle, right, and it ended with this picture of Jesus, and all, you know, we had enough pieces to figure out that Jesus forgives our sins, I'd be happy with that puzzle. Okay, but Jesus gives us many more pieces than that. And he says, Emmanuel. And I'm going to bring this picture to a whole nother level, a level that you just couldn't even imagine in your dreams. Okay, so Jesus is bringing this picture from forgiveness of sins to a whole nother place. I'm not just forgiving your sins so that you can hang out in my club and, you know, kind of walk around heaven. 
I'm bringing, I'm forgiving you of your sins. I'm saving you so that you can be part of my family, right? Which is a whole different picture, It's a whole different picture. Um, uh, Let me, let me uh, give you a a silly little story and then, and then I'll, I'll end. Okay. um, Once upon a time, there was a, a game show. Okay. And, you know, we all love game shows. I don't know why. Uh, They're addicting. They're kind of like, you know, uh, one of those, um, you know, sinful delights. Like you just get to sit, you know, when when I was sick from school and I got to watch The Price is Right. I don't know why I liked it, but I did. Okay. And it was like one of those guilty pleasures, right? So um, there's a game show and there was a contestant. And the final question in this game show for him to win the whole prize was all he had to do was Name two of Santa's reindeers. Okay, name two of Santa's reindeers. And then he'll win the prize and all the lights will go off. The confetti will come down. And, uh, you know, if it's the price is right, Drew Carey would come out and I would you know, give you a big hug and you'd all be happy, right? So um, the whole crowd's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this is going to happen, right? This is going to happen. So um, the man gets to the microphone, two of the reindeers, Rudolph and... Olive. Rudolph and Olive. So the whole crowd is like standing there with their mouths open. And like the, you know, everyone's like, what? Olive? Like, what since when did they make Olive a reindeer? Right, so they asked him, why did you say Olive? And he's like, you know the song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, and Olive the Other Reindeer. <laughs> So it was Rudolph and Olive. If you don't get it, you can ask the person next to you, right? Olive. Olive, the other reindeer, okay? It was just him and Rudolph, right? And the reason I give you that story, as silly as it is, is is just to say, right, it's easy to be ignorant of what Christmas is all about, right? As we enter this season, right, hopefully we can remember, right, that God sent Jesus into this world to save us from our sins, Right, which leads us into a deep relationship with him. Right, the puzzle picture that God wants us to have this Christmas right, is not just gifts and not just you know, um, all this holiday glitz and lights and glamour, okay? but God wants us to have him and a deep relationship with him. Right? And that's where we find the greatest value in Christmas. Okay, so let's pray together. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word, uh, which is a great gift to us, uh, because you teach us so many things about yourself and who you are and who we are to be. What is our character? What is our identity? And through Christmas, through Christ, uh, you give us an identity that's far greater than ourselves. And Lord, we pray um, that as we walk into this holiday season, that we would know that you are Jesus that you will save us from our sins, uh, that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us, and not just a God that's with us from afar, uh, but a God that has come to live in our hearts and to be with us and to uh, be among us and to be our family and to call us family. Uh, So please help us to open up our hearts and our minds to more than just ideas, uh, more than just dreams, Uh, but the reality uh, of what you have for us as Christians. 
we thank you for this gift. And God, we ask this all in Jesus' name.